Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about our calling. You say, well, what do you want me to do, Xavier? I don't want you to do anything. You go to God and what has He called you to do to see what God has. But He's called you to do something. He hasn't called you just to sit. I guarantee you. You say, but I don't have any seminar. You don't need anything. You born again? Hey, qualify. You're born again, you're a servant. You're born as a servant. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. When someone says, describe a faithful Christian, what comes to mind? Well, some might answer, a dedicated missionary. Others might say, an evangelist or a pastor. But according to Pastor Xavier, the Word of God has an altogether different answer. So let's join him for today's provocative message from the Gospel of Matthew, titled, The Love of Jesus for Men. Matthew chapter 20, we want to look at the Lord's teaching here regarding service, but we want to focus on the quality of His love in verses 17 through 34. There are three things we're going to look at regarding His love. First, His sacrificial love, verses 17 through 19. Secondly, His patient love, verses 20 through 28. And then finish off with His compassionate love, verses 29 through 34. Let me read the passage. Then Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn Him to death, and deliver Him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day He will rise again. Notice that Jesus was going up to Jerusalem willingly to die, verse 17 tells us. Here when Jesus is under the shadow of the cross, when He is declaring to them, perhaps to get some support by them, here He has to comfort them. You see what I mean about sacrificial love? He would become sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. If His sacrificial love is not sufficient, we see his patient love in verses 20 through 28. Notice Salome, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, James and John, requests favor for her sons in verses 20 and 21. The mother of Zebedee's son came to him for her son, kneeling down, asking something from him. And he says, what do you wish? She said, grant that these two my sons may sit, one on your right hand, the other on your left, in your kingdom. Remember, they had the mentality they're going to Jerusalem. They're going to knock off the Roman yoke. He's going to set up the kingdom and there's going to be power. There's going to be ruling. The kingdom that has been proclaimed and waited for is going to come. They never saw the church age. They never saw the gap between the first coming, the age of grace, and the second coming of Christ. The Jews saw only the present age and the age to come. And they wanted to get their seat they wanted to be the first in line. Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup and I'm about to drink and the baptized with the baptism I'm about to be baptized with? And they said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink of the cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, 
but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. James and John desired to be served. The Lord nailed them. The other ten disciples were just as selfish. Look at verse 24. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brothers. <laughs> they were ticked off because they were angry because the two had beat them to the punch. They had the same thing in mind. All 12 of them had not learned the basic principle of service out of love. They wanted to be served. Now, you understand why I said his patient love is marked in this passage? How would you feel if you spent three years with these 12 guys and you're walking towards your death and you find out they haven't learned anything? I don't have time to disciple 12 more. And you're stuck with them. Now, you and I may feel like that, but not Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus doesn't make mistakes. He knows all things. But he's patient. How I need to learn from the patience of Jesus Christ regarding people. I can become so impatient. I can become so critical. And yet I'm to follow my master's steps. Notice the teaching of Jesus to the twelve, verses 25 through 28. But Jesus called unto himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. What? Power, authority. And those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. The world's model was not to be their practice. Verses 25 and 26. Learn that well. You don't need to study the world model. You are the world model. You know what the world is like. You know how it functions. It is innate in us to desire people to serve us. It's that old pyramid. All kinds of room for everybody on the bottom. But the higher you get up, hey, there's only room for me. The word servant in verse 26 is the word diakonos. We get our word deacon from it. A waiter on tables. I like that. Let him be your servant, your waiter. You know, waiters and waitresses, they take a lot of abuse. You know, you get arrogant people in there and they, they're rude. They don't say thank you. What do they do? They keep serving. Now, they do it because that's their paycheck. But that's a good picture of us. No matter what the public does, no matter how people treat us, what they say, we continue to serve. We serve tables. We can do nothing less. He gives them the heavenly model to follow, which is Christ in verse 27, 28. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, the payment in exchange for the slave in the slave market. The word slave here in verse 27 is doulon. We get it from doulos, meaning the willful, voluntary slave, a bond slave. And so here you have, we wait on tables, but then he says, whoever desires to be first among you, 
Let him be your slave. Now, he's already talked about first and last one other time. He's going to talk about it again when we get into further chapters. You want to be first? Be last. You want to be first? Then be a willful servant of God by choice. Not because you have to. What kind of service do you render to the church you attend? Is it begrudging service? Is it faithful service? Is it joyful service? What kind of service do you render to the body of Christ? Do you want to be served? Do you come into the church and say, well, what do you got for me? Are you a slave of Jesus Christ? It's been said that the way you know if you're a real servant of Christ is how you respond when someone treats you like one. Our flesh exposes us. Their selfish love went on to the very night of the Passover. This is not the only time. There's three times recorded in Scripture that they were constantly asking, who is the greatest? And they were arguing. Jesus got tired of it. He taught them for three and a half years. The last week, the night before he's betrayed, he takes up a towel, he takes up a bowl of water, and he begins to wash their feet. He says, I have given you an example. You see, the test of true servantship is through the years. Time is the test of all things. All of us begin humble at staying humble. All of us say, hey, come on, what can I do? But are you going to keep on serving? There's the test. Service. Out of love, not out of constraint, not out of, okay, I'll do it, what the heck. But because I can do nothing else. You say, well, what do you want me to do, Xavier? I don't want you to do anything. You go to God and what has He called you to do? You have to go to God and see what has He called you to do. But He's called you to do something. He hasn't called you just to sit. I guarantee you. You say, but I don't have any seminar. You don't need anything. You born again? You got a BA? Hey, you qualify. You're born again? You're a servant. You're born as a servant. Now what you've got to do is stay a servant. Don't try to exalt yourself. Jesus' patient love is exalted. We know why? Because of his all knowledge. As he's talking to these disciples, he knew they were going to argue about this all over again. You see what I mean about patient love? How many of you would be as patient with a person who failed you when you're talking to them if you knew they were going to fail you 20 other times? You wouldn't. I wouldn't. You see, it's not good to have all knowledge. It can be a handicap. Unless you're God and you have all the other attributes. How often do we fail the Lord individually? He knows every one of my failures. But He does look at my heart, whether I come in sincerity and in true repentance. And so His sacrificial love moves towards patient love. He endures with us. Can you imagine? He endures with us. If that is not enough, in verses 29 to 34, we have His compassionate love. Jesus comes to the city that had been cursed, Jericho. Remember Joshua as he came into the land conquering it and Joshua 6.26, he cursed the city. And he said that 
the man who built it upon would build it upon the very life of his sons. In 1 Kings 16.34, that was fulfilled. Jesus comes to this cursed city. As much as he had to go through Samaria because there was a woman there in dire need of salvation that nobody would reach, there were these two blind men that nobody would bother over. What a picture of you and I. The cursed city. Jesus came to this cursed world to reach lost men and women. He didn't come to find himself. He came to seek that which was lost. And he did it by becoming man. Mark tells us it was as they came to Jericho. Matthew tells us as they departed from Jericho. Is there a contradiction? Not really. Remember that there were two Jerichos. And so it's just a different perspective. You're leaving one, but you're going to be entering the other. No difference. Verse 30 and 31. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out the more, saying, Have mercy on us, Lord, Son of David. They have never seen Jesus. All they have done is heard about him. And all of a sudden, they are in this cursed city, and they hear that he's coming through. And they believe what they have heard. They cried out. What did they cry out for? Mercy. Less than they deserve. And their claim was to the son of David. Though they were Jews, they realized that they didn't deserve what they were asking for. Do you ever think about that? That everything that we ask of God is really based on mercy and grace. Mercy is less than we deserve. Grace is, is nothing what we deserve. It's altogether apart from what really should be coming to us. Justice is what we deserve. How many of you ever ask for justice when you go to prayer? <laughs> Lord, I want justice. Oh, man. Mercy, grace. Have mercy on us. Notice Jesus stood and he asked them what their request was. Verse 33, Lord, their eyes may be opened. The greatest prayer that you and I can ever pray is, Lord, open my eyes. Because you know what? What we see is really not what's really happening so often. We have to pray that God would open our eyes to be able to see in the spiritual world what really is happening. That we not be deceived by the big facade of the world, by the news, by different things. But that we know what's happening according to the scriptures, the spiritual time, where we're at. That you know the day that you're living in. That you know the, the, the closeness of the Lord's return. That you realize the importance of spiritual development. To let go of everything that is holding you back from growing in Christ and serving Christ. Let it go. Lord, that our eyes may be opened. 
simple request. But only God can open your eyes. Even in the Lord, you can be walking so far away from God and people come to say, listen, turn around. And you go, I'm all right. And you're blind to your sin. And the Bible says that the blind lead the blind. They both fall into the ditch. Lord, we've never seen the sky. Lord, open our eyes. Lord, we've never seen your face. Open my eyes. Mark tells us that these individuals jumped to their feet and they threw off their garment and walked towards Jesus. They didn't just sit. They got up and acted on what they heard. And God was able to work in their life. You've got to walk by faith and you've got to walk forward. Not by your feelings, not by your emotions, not by your circumstance, but what the Word of God is telling you. Obedience. And as you and I do that, we reap the benefit of that. But if you say, well, Lord, I'm not going to move until you do this. Well, you're going to be sitting. They could have said, Lord, I'm, I'm not going to get up. I can't see where I'm going. They would have stayed blind. Passed up a life opportunity. Because so often we want to reason everything. We want to have it our own way. Not these guys. Notice Jesus not only stood to ask what their request was, but it says that Jesus had compassion for them and touched their eyes. And immediately, their eyes received sight. But notice the result. They followed him. When God opens your eyes, it's for one reason alone, and that is that you might follow Jesus. God does not open your eyes so that you may be blessed or so that you may receive physical benefit or material benefit or whatever. God opens your eyes that you might follow him. Not follow a church. Not follow a movement but to follow Jesus Christ. And then as you follow Jesus Christ, you will get into a church and you will become part of the church and you will be a servant in the church and you will be reaching out to those who don't know Christ and you'll be opening up their eyes because now you see the reality of the spirit life. You see that people are lost. You see that people are dead in trespass and sins. You see that the only way is for Jesus to touch them. There's a, there's a burning in your heart, love for the lost. There's a burn in your heart, love to serve. Why? Because Jesus has opened your eyes. Interesting, the disciples had vision. They saw nothing. These guys were totally blind, yet they saw everything. The disciples had spent three years with the Lord. They still didn't understand. They wanted to be served. Jesus is just walking by Jericho. These guys have only heard about the Lord, and they say, hey, we'll follow you. What a contrast. What a charge against the disciples. For to them was a greater privilege, therefore to them was a greater charge. To those who much is given, much is required. Let me share with you some things regarding this. First, the compassion of the Lord towards all mankind is to be acted upon as genuine faith. Dependent on his word alone, not sight. 
You and I have to depend on what we hear the Word of God to say, not on what we see and how we feel. It has to be acted upon. Faith is never passive. Even when it is resting, that faith is active. It's trusting and depending on God, knowing that God's going to do what He said He's going to do. Even though I don't understand how, but I know God has spoken to me. My faith is active. Faith is never passive. Never. Secondly, the opportunity of the moment may never come again. Some of you, God has been dealing with your heart about different things. And you keep putting it off. And there may come a time when that window time will close. And God cannot do the work that He wanted to do in you. The choice is yours. Move. Go for it. Don't procrastinate. Thirdly, faith goes from sitting to walking towards Christ. It moves. And it has its eyes fixed on Christ completely. You can't just sit. You have to be moving. And as you're moving, you're going to be growing. And as you're growing, you're going to be used. And as you're used, you're going to be serving. And as you're serving, you're going to be filled with the love of Jesus Christ. That's the way God works. But if you just sit, you'll be filled with the love for self. Pity, complain, murmuring, everything else. Because we can see nobody else but ourselves. And so as Jesus opened the eyes of these blind men, he did it that they might follow Jesus. Has God opened your eyes? What do you see? Jesus or just yourself? Do you see the church as just a place to be ministered to or a place to come and to minister? The greater activity of ministry does not happen right now while I'm teaching you. It's necessary, but the greater activity happens after we dismiss and you meet with one another, you pray for one another, and you're sensitive to one another. That's where true ministry comes in. The love of Jesus is a love that serves. It is sacrificial, it is patient, it is compassionate, always. And this is the thing that we have to learn over and over and over again. If I'm going to yield to the love of God, it's going to cost me. There's a label that is put, I remember, I don't know if it was Spurgeon or something, that says, ready for sacrifice or service? What are you ready for? Jesus was ready for sacrifice and service. Patience. You got to spend time with the master. So as you serve, you can follow his footsteps. And drawing from him, learning from him. Compassionate. The crowd didn't think that these beggars had any right to Jesus. Jesus corrected the theology. Where have you been? Are you like these blind men? A leopard? What kind of sin have you been into? You say, well, I don't, you know, I couldn't come to Jesus. Oh, yeah, you can. You have a right to come to Him. He died for you. And don't let anybody discourage you. Whatever's happened in your life, He is able to cleanse you from your sin and to make you see. But you have to act. You have to believe on what you hear based on His Word. 
He says, if you will come to him, he will never cast you out. He will take you, make a new creature of you, forgive you all of your sins, and make you a son and a daughter. The love of Christ, amazing. His love for man, indescribable. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth about becoming more like Jesus. And you can request a copy of today's encouraging study called The Love of Jesus for Men. It's available on CD for just $4. And why not pick up an additional copy to pass along to a friend? The title to ask for once again is The Love of Jesus for Men. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for letting us know the call letters of this station when you contact us. What's in a name? What about the name above all names? Find out when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com